tracked down by Van Vliet. Fred behind the back in traffic. Oh, it's Fred's time. He's got 23. Come on. First pitch swinging, and he crushes it. Deep left center field, it's hit a mile. Guerrero with a home run, his third on the season, and the Blue Jays are within two. David plays it down the line, look out that ball stay and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away, 2v1. Davies at Buchanan, Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. Hello, welcome back to a brand new episode kicking off 2022. We've been, oh man, it's been so long since we've done one of these episodes. It feels like forever. Um, yeah, well, it has been. It has been forever. Like we've been super busy kind of over the last couple of months with work and school for you. You know, my home life with, with having a one-year-old has been kind of crazy. Um, but we promise we'll be better at doing these regularly uh, come 2022 or during 2022. Um, so we're super excited to be back. Uh, we're going to kick it off. This is probably going to be about a two-part series, two-part episode. Um, but, you know, we're going to kick it off with the, the CFL. There's been a lot of CFL news. Uh, Hamilton or uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers went back-to-back uh, with a rematch in 2021. Blue Bombers came away with that with the win with that incredible interception in overtime. Well, uh, let's start. What was your thoughts on that overtime interception? Okay, so... I was at the game, right? So my, my seats were kind of uh, – we were in the corner of the far end zone. So my view of what actually happened wasn't phenomenal. But holy crap, man, you go back and you watch that play. Like that is one of those plays that I think is going to live forever for Blue Bombers fans. Like you and I, my, as Red Blacks people, that tackle that Abdul Kadeh made on the goal line in Grey Cup 106, nobody's ever going to forget that one. Like that interception was a, a play to win a championship in a game that, frankly, Winnipeg didn't really deserve to win. Uh, but that's what championship teams are made of. They had they'd faced the adversity in that game. They faced it against Saskatchewan in the West Final, and uh, you know they they were the best team in the CFL season long, and they got rewarded for it. So that play was just a, a, a encapsulation of their entire season, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it hit the ground at first. I was at home watching with my family, and I was like, I I was like, oh man, he broke it up. And then he's like, nope, it's an interception. And I was like, there there's no way this doesn't hit the ground. Yeah. Um, and then they show the back angle, and I'm like, that that's almost as impressive as you know the Ernest Juggle. Yeah, to, it's to, it's on like, it's on the same the same level, like, but. I think one thing about that game doesn't get mentioned enough. We're, we're, people talk about the two points given up on Rouges in that game. Nobody's going to talk about that holding call in overtime. Like that was a killer holding penalty. Like, yep. correct uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think Winnipeg scored the two point convert on their drive. I think it was just, or did they did score? No, did they, they didn't. They, no, they didn't. I don't think so. They may they won have. by six. Might be wrong. Yeah, it's been, we'll, a couple, we'll, it's been a couple of months. We'll verify that one, but um, it's actually I've been less than a month, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, 2021. Yeah, but Hamilton got a big play in that first first play of overtime when they had the football. 
but they took a penalty and it, and it came back the other way. So, like, as much as people want to talk about the rouges they gave up in in the second half, that yes, they they did cost them the game if you want to look at it that way. But I think that holding penalty was what really hurt them, and and the play calling afterwards as well. When you just go for the big play, time and time again, when you need you have three you have three downs to get twenty yards. Like, there's there's no two ways about it. You're not kicking a field goal. You have three downs. You don't have to get 20 yards in one play. You know, take the take the conservative option and, you know, have a guy – you have Brandon Banks. Get him on the inside of the field and let him get some yards after the catch. Why not? Yeah, and they did actually hit the uh, the, the, the two-point right. conversion. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, overall, like, that game was exciting to watch. The first, um, the first quarter was kind of bad, if I'm honest. Like, it wasn't entertaining, but that's typical of a championship game. And if you want to compare it to the NFL, I mean, we've had NFL Super Bowls that, like, the, the NFL Super Bowl is never entertaining. It's always a terrible football game. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm, I love defense. I love a good defensive battle. I love, like, people are like, oh, the offense is just struggling. Well, how many how many times is the offense is struggling because of the defensive play being so good? You know, well, like, a lot of it too. I think is just get to a big game, and every play is so important that you you can't afford to throw a, a pick. And yeah. you see teams just kind of go into a shell and be conservative, and they'd rather punt it than than throw an interception. So, you know, I, I think that's a, kind of one of the reasons why championship games are just kind of boring. Yeah, overall, like they they start off boring and they'll get exciting because they realize like how much okay, it means. You, you got to take a yeah, chance we, if you want to win. Yeah, I mean it, that's just how it goes. Um, but it kind of you know it ended the season that everyone was excited for. You know, we didn't play in 2021 or 2020. And everyone's like, okay, are we going to play? You know, what's going to happen? We had a 14-game season. And, and they did it. They they pulled it off, got through it, had the championship game. And now we're focused on 2022. God, did they ever thread the needle, though, eh? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, hey. Great Cup happens and the whole world goes to shit. Hey, you know what? They don't ask how. I mean, they do, especially for this situation. But, like... It was just done. That's all that matters. It got done. It's ready to go. But we're off to 2022. The two teams with the worst records, the the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Edmonton uh, Edmonton Elks. Oh, you better uh, watch it, Shane. It's been a year. You better get that right. Uh, I think there's people who work for the CFL that still struggle sometimes. So. You know what? I I want to say on that front, I've I actually thought that'd be very difficult to kind of you know get writing it out of my system. I I haven't done done it. As soon as I switched to Elks. I was fine. I haven't messed it up once. Yeah, I think writing is different than speaking. But even in speaking, I, I found it pretty easy to. It's just I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things where I kind of like the name, so I'm. So do I. But I've. I mean, I. I've been watching CFL football since I was like six. Yeah. So as yeah. like that that name is so ingrained that like trying to get used to calling it the elk sometimes you slip. That's just how it goes. But you know, Edmonton Elks, the Ottawa Red Blacks, whole new coaching, st- whole new GM, whole new front office for both teams. Ottawa brings in a guy that hasn't been a GM in, in the CFL. Edmonton brings back a familiar face. Two two teams going in opposite directions in terms of their GM search. Chris Jones. We'll start off with Edmonton because they were a more of a hot topic than Ottawa has been. Yep, but. You know, Chris Jones comes back. He won a great cup in 2015 as their head coach. 
before going off to, to Saskatchewan. I don't know how I feel about bringing Chris Jones back, but I will say I love the hiring of G. Roy Simon. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I love the hire of Chris Jones. There, there's obviously pros and cons to him. Like where he goes, he wins. And I think that's the most appealing thing about him. But also on the flip side, like how long is he going to win in the spot? Who knows? That might, like he's committed to staying for the full four years. But do we believe him? I, I don't. I, I'll, I'll see it when I believe it with him. He's He's been around so many places. But then again, like you just think about some of the stuff that he's done in, in his time in the CFL and, and some of the, the great things he's been able to accomplish. Like if he can turn this franchise around, like if we look at this team last year, it was a joke. Like they had so many good players. Like you look at Darrell Walker, he did nothing. Greg Ellingson didn't do much. Trevor Harris went from being arguably one of the top three quarterbacks in the league to a backup quarterback. And that, that I mean, reputation-wise, you and I kind of knew what was going to happen in that situation. Yeah, um, we, we saw it. We saw the writing on the wall early. Early is an understatement. I, as soon as they hired Jamie Elizondo, we kind of we knew what was going to happen. True, true. But I don't know. I I look at what he did in Saskatchewan, and yeah, he, he put a good team on the field, but he wasn't win, able to win it as a, a GM slash coach. You know, it but just he, wasn't. He did, he did get that, that ring in Edmonton. Only as a coach, though. Yes. So but, the ability, know, it, can, can he win as a head coach and a GM? We'll see. I'm very curious on how much power G. Roy Simon is really going to have. You know, yeah. is it going to be a situation that during the season, G. Roy Simon it takes, you know, has more responsibility in a GM role than than Jones does? We'll find uh, out. I don't think G. Roy will I, ever have the the overall authority to make a, a choice. Right? He's the assistant for a reason. But also at he the might same not time, be like, able to make a choice by himself, but to say yeah. that he doesn't take control of the like you know mundane GM responsibilities, I I don't think that I think that's going to be the case. Where we're seeing Simon more as like a figurehead for for a GM spot, he's going to do, uh, especially in season. You know, I I can I see him. I expect to see him doing a lot of media availability and whatnot in terms of a GM position versus what we expect like Chris Jones to do from a GM perspective. I think Chris Jones is going to take more control of a head coach versus being a 50, 50 split in his responsibilities. I can, I can see a reality where that happens, but I also don't think that, you know, Chris Jones is going to step away from a front office role. Like he's there for a reason. Uh, Maybe G Roy has a little bit more, authority to to do some stuff that other assistant general managers around the league don't have but on the front of chris jones being both right they did they really have a choice other than that with the amount of money that they had tied up in this cap by you know getting rid of elizondo and sunderland like they needed somebody who could do it both and i I don't know if there was a better option for them than chris jones for a guy who could do both yeah and i'm kind of surprised they got rid of elizondo honestly i'm not Uh, at all. See, I fear they might have given him one season, you know, not under Sutherland and been like, okay, what can you do 
elsewise in a full season instead of this shortened, condensed. It was a weird year, right? I, I could have understood if they gave a new coach the benefit of the doubt versus their GM. But I think at the same time, they realized that whoever they were going to bring in as GM would probably want their own coach anyways. And if you can bring Chris Jones back, we'll see what he can do. I'm not I'm not sold against it, but I also don't think it's a bad move. You know, a, a competitive Edmonton team is good for the league. That I agree with. Like, they, we cannot keep going down the path where that franchise keeps losing fans. And, you know, I get that people are upset about the name change, but, like, we, we got to move past that. But, you know, it's unfortunate that winning games isn't going to be enough to get some of those people back. They just – they're going to have to – to kind of figure stuff out there and of course winning will help yeah i mean they're they're a lot of their older fans decided that like oh you're changing your name i'm no longer a fan which makes absolutely no sense to me personally like you're not you're not going to be a fan because they changed their name it's the same organization they're just under a different name it makes makes it's not acting like the same organization right now no that that's very true um before i moved to ottawa you know they they released uh, 11 players shortly after Chris Jones was named head, uh, you know, head coach and GM. And two of those, you know, two of those players are, are friends of the show and Derek Dennis and Jonathan Rose. I think we've both been pretty adamant that both of them coming, coming to Ottawa would be ideal. Um, from a fan perspective, but, from, from a football perspective, I don't know. Rose might be a, a tad touch or ta- a touch tough is what i'm trying to say oh i mean I, in, a I don't second, in a secondary but to, i don't to... expect him but it would be nice i want to pull up that article there was a couple of other players in uh in that that were released most of them i think outside of dennis james most of them, one of them were most of them most of them were free agents yeah uh in in february so yeah. they just get an early free agency but you know servants and rogers james tuck Marty Edwards, you know, those guys, you know, even Chris, like Chris Kasher, there's a lot of guys that I think a lot of people were surprised and were expected to, to be back in the green and yellow next. There's, there's a lot of them though, that I'm not surprised like Sir Vincent Rogers. I, I feel so bad for that guy. Cause it just, it hasn't worked. Like that's, this is two seasons now where he just couldn't play football and it sucks, but you know, it, I don't, I don't think Edmonton had much choice in that one. Armonte Edwards just didn't do much this season. Um, and, you know, some of the other ones, it's just that team was so bad. It's hard to find out who exactly didn't do their job. But I don't think there was many people who really did. Like, it, there's there's a couple of players on there that I would want to keep around. But overall, I think that it's pretty slim pickings there and what their actual free agents are now. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a, a full spreadsheet of who the free agents are and they, there's some good free agents this year um and it's going to be interesting to see who chris jones goes after but you know moving on from edmonton and, and what they'll do because we'll be plenty we'll be talking plenty of them over the next like months um heading into to free agency because free agency is like a month and a half away not even a month February. And a Early February, I believe it is. Yeah, February eighth. Yeah. Um, so we'll be talking plenty of of this um, over the next couple of weeks. But going over to the next, over to the uh, the other team that finished what three and five or three and 
three and twelve or three and eleven. Uh, was the the Ottawa Red Blacks. And they brought in their new GM uh, coming out of Hamilton. Can't remember his first name. I'm blanking Sean on his Burke. first name. Sean. See, I thought it was Bur- I thought it was Sean Burke, but I'm like, no, that's a hockey coach. You're gonna keep thinking Brian Burke. I've done it. I- I've had to Google his name just about every time I've written it. I thought it was Sean, but I'm like, no, that's a goalie. Like what? Um, <laughs> yeah, every single time I've written his name, I've had to Google what his first name is. Uh, yeah, that's understandable. But yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, clearly, what he's done is like in his role has worked. For, you know, for Hamilton. We didn't have a, a massive chance to talk to him. Like, it was just uh, the presser that we've done so far. But from what we have heard from him so far, he seems like a very, you know, humble person. Um, he seems to know that the day-to-day football – like, he didn't. he's not coming from a background of, you know, coming into the CFL as a coach and working his way up to a general manager, right? He came in – uh, through the a different route, and he's worked his way into being in football operations. So I think he's been accustomed to kind of surrounding himself with people who are knowledgeable about the game, and he's taken, you know, bits and pieces of what they tell him matched with, you know, what other people are telling him and, and coming to a conclusion kind of thing, right? So I think that ultimately it's not a bad hire. Uh, we don't know much about what he can do in, in terms of being a general manager, though. So it's really tough to to point to previous experience and say, didn't work here, so why would it work here? You know what I mean? So I, I think this is one of those ones where you're just going to have to wait and see what he's able to do and what the roster looks like on opening night. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting because like Ottawa has a slew of free agents. Yeah. Um, some big ones in the secondary, you know, a couple of, of fan favorites, uh, Don Uwamba, uh, Antoine Pruneau, uh, Abdul Kenna. Is it Kenna or Kenna? It's Kenna, Kenna, right? Kenna. And then Randall Evans in the back, in like backfield. Michael Alway as a line, like he became a fan favorite. Uh, Mark Cordy is so underrated too. That is a name that they're going to want back. Who? Mark Cordy. See, sure. Bring him back. Not his center though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can, you can, like, if you can get him back at guard, I think you're happy. Yeah. Like, I, I can't, I felt bad for him because I'm like, you are being put in a position. Like, I, and he, he I still played it. really well. Like, to be he fair, was to decent, him, he, he, but, he was the unanimous most outstanding Canadian on the Red Blacks. Like, it, which it's saying something about, no, I, I think it is because there, there was some good Canadian talent on the, on the field for them this year. To a certain extent, but I mean, I like Cordy. I just I don't like him at center. I thought it was stupid to even put him at center. I don't well, understand. It, it would have been it would have been less stupid if you had a center. See, I feel like Zot would have been a better choice at center maybe. versus maybe that's Court, hindsight though, or even Pickett. Uh, but I mean, I was on that train the entire year. I did not like Cordy at center. I did not agree with it. I thought it was a bad decision. Uh, but he like. Jones is in for uh, his work in Edmonton, but Burke. we know what he can oh, do. I see what you're saying. And then, <laughs> and but you know, Burke, we don't know what he can do as a GM role. Uh, can he bring back a lot of these guys? You know, I think Kenny Sanf- uh, Stafford, R.J. Harris, Nate Bahar, and Anthony Coombe should all be back. I I don't know if Flanders or Gosling should be back, but 
you know, you look at their free agents and a lot of them you can make arguments outside of their O-linemen. And even then, uh, Rogers and Catalina, I would be okay bringing back. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. But with the amount of – the big thing with, with Burke is the amount of free agents that Hamilton has. Yeah. Um, also, I, I want to mention too, you mentioned Gosselin. He's already been resigned. Has he? Um, I, haven't, yes. I haven't checked. I yeah. was looking at our spreadsheet and it has not been updated. So on if so for people listening, if you go on our website, you can actually find all of the uh, pending free agents for a team. We let you know if they've been re-signed or if they haven't. And we also have all the players they have signed to date on there. And we update that every day, basically. Yeah, see, um, it was just easier for me to open up the spreadsheet because I was already on Google Docs. And I was like, oh, I'll just open it because I figured you would update that as well. No, uh, but that's actually wrong, dude. There's a lot of players on there who uh, didn't end up being free agents, which I thought was weird. But it is what it is. Um, but we can't talk about the Red Blacks and not talk about the job that Jeremy Snyder and JM Edmed did. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate that JM's no longer with the Red Blacks. I, uh, I sent him a text when I found that I just told him like, you know, you're going to, you're a great dude. You're going to catch on somewhere. Somebody's going to appreciate you. And, you know, that's, that's a great person that is no longer a part of the organization. And I think that's part of the cruel reality when you do something like this, that, you know, a lot of the the front office tumbles afterwards. It's, it sucks because, you know, that's a great person. I think Jeremy did a great job at, while he was acting as general manager for the couple of months there, he got, he got some serious contract done. Like, I don't, that's going to be underrated. Like Lewis Ward, Richie Leone, Devontae Dedman was re-signed, Avery Williams. The the Ron one Baltimore. thing. Yeah. I mean, he did work and I can, I mean, I was kind of surprised that they didn't actually decide to maybe give him a shot at like a one year kind of like, okay, let's see what you can do. But at the same time, I can understand why they wanted to go in a different direction. They wanted to bring in new faces into the organization. So I, I could see why they went that way. But yeah, I mean, what yeah. these two two did were were huge. Yeah, they. I don't think that any Red Blacks fan should be underestimating the job that they did. Um, I also think there was serious consideration of making Jeremy Snyder the general manager of this football team. But I think when it came down to it, I think they thought that Burke brought a little bit more experience. I think they thought that, you know, he would be the guy that would work the best with this organization. And I don't think that's a slight against Jeremy Snyder. I think that Burke just brings everything that they want. That's fair. And I mean, I I really dislike the CFL transactions page. It's terrible. Because I'm looking at it and it just is, you know, add to active roster, add to active roster. So I'm like, okay, were these guys signed or what? Because, like, Jacob Zott was added to the active roster, but, like, he should have been signed anyways because he was a draft pick. I don't think draft picks could sign just one-year deals. What I, uh, I can tell you is... Jordan Smallwood was added. Andrew Pitt, like, I'm so confused on, you know, Cleon Lang was added to the active roster. Does that mean he's signed? Like the the last player that the Red Blacks have officially signed is LP Barassa. Yeah. And that was November 30th. Yeah. So like 
Lewis Ward was added to the active list. So, like, I'm so confused. Dage, I don't know what, like, I don't know how it works. That could mean. uh, Brennan Galanders, Jared Fernandez. These were all active. I don't know. These are all active December 14th. So, I don't know if these are guys that, like, include pending free agents. And this is who is, you know. If I had to guess what it was. I would say it's probably contracts being restructured or any slight thing about a player that is changed. Because I believe the technicality is if you restructure a contract, it's technically like a new contract that they've signed. Yeah, I'm not sure because some of them are like added from injury to active roster. And then there's just some that are like, Add to active like action, add to status, active roster. So I'm really confused on if people have signed these contracts and they are now just like being added to the teams, or I'm so confused. <laughs> what I will say is the best place to get all of your information is on our website. True, but if we can't get activate, like this should be the most up-to-date information for people to get their information for us to but make our it's, jobs easier. It's confusing like, as all hell. So yeah, because like, is Jacob like? Did Jacob's not sign? Did Jordan Smallwood sign? Did Cleon Lang restructure his contract? My assumption is, is restructured a contract, or they were added to. I don't, I I don't so know confused. if they still have the. Like I know that, that there was a bunch of bombers who tested positive afterwards, and that came out. Perhaps maybe there's like, still there's doing like that parts on. of it where it's like add from active 2022. So like are those future contracts? I am so confused. Freaking Tom Flacco. It's I got some good pictures of that guy though. So I believe it, but I'm just so confused. Anyways, um back on to whatever rant we were on before. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting for both these teams. I mean, they're not the only teams that are going to go through massive changes so it's going to be interesting personally i think this offseason there's a lot of moving pieces hamilton is going to be a very interesting one uh the biggest question mark heading in i don't know i don't know how much you heard of it when you were at the game but a lot of talk about it pre-game and during the game was the potential of orlando steinhauer going to i think washington university as the dc uh, since his the, his former co-worker, of, I think, believe Fresno State, became the head coach there. And a lot of people were up in arms, like, were worried about him leaving. Uh, and then he ended up staying, and he signed on as a new role, plus head coach with Hamilton. So that's huge. I mean, it, it, it keeps some familiarity. The other big news that Hamilton's new new ownership group between Hamilton yeah. and the Forge. So that's huge for, for Hamilton sports. Yeah, yeah. Um... On the well, well, we can start with the the. I guess we'll start with the new ownership structure. Um, it doesn't seem like a whole lot has really changed. I think like they've they've formed the new the new group. I believe it's what Hamilton Sports Group or I believe yeah, Hamilton Sports Group H uh, HSG. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think much has changed on the Tiger Cats front. I think this is a bigger move for Forge. I might be wrong on that, but uh, Bob Young is still there. So I see that a lot of Tiger Cats fans are still, you know, happy with the way things are going. And 
I think it's a good way. Like we've seen it with OSEG, right? Where a team or, you know, multiple teams are owned by the same entity. And I think that it kind of elevate them. We've seen it with MLS, MLSE as well. Uh, the Raptors kind of went from being a, a bit of an afterthought compared to the Leafs. And then when they were competitive, you know, they became on par with the Leafs. And, uh, you know, for, for Steinauer sticking around, good for Hamilton. Like it's, it's tough to keep your coaches around especially with this coaching cap. That's why it sucks so much. And they, they really need to get rid of it or else they're going to lose good coaches. But, uh, you know, good good for them to, to keep this guy around. He's been phenomenal for them. He's taken them to two great cups. Now he's just got to get them over the hump and win one. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to become extremely hard for him to do it with the amount of quality free agents that are yeah. are going to be leaving. It's the same thing with Winnipeg. They have a lot of quality free agents. But the big thing, you know, moving into the free agency period that happens on February 8th, you can catch all your free agent news with us because we'll probably be doing something that day for at least a couple of hours. But the big thing is Jake Meyer or Mayer re-signing in Calgary. You know, that puts and that, and that trickled into, according to Justin Dunk of uh, Three Down Nation, him, uh, Calgary has asked or has started to talk to Bo Levi about restructuring his contract again. And I don't know how you feel about it, but personally, I wouldn't. I've already restructured my contract. You know, why Why are you asking me to restructure your, my contract when you signed me to this, when I've already restructured it once? Like, and, and, you know, I, I put out, well, people already know my, my feeling on this because I put out five bold free agency predictions this morning. Um, it'll be Monday morning by the time people are listening to this one. But um, I think he's gone. I, I think we've seen the last of Bo Levi Mitchell in a, in a Calgary Stan Peters jersey. I think that asking him to restructure his contract this time after you've just resigned his replacement, I I think he's had a great run in Calgary. I think, like, obviously, he's had a great run. He, he's been one of the league's best quarterbacks with one of the winning, the best winning percentages of all time of any quarterback in this league's history. Like, his, his play there has been second to none. But they've made it clear that he's not the future, right? It, it's almost like they're preparing to move on from him. And even if he does sign, we'll be back in the same situation next year. So there's an, there's an Eastern Conference Calgary right now. There's Stampeders coaches. There's ex-Stampeders players. And a, a, a pretty good team in the Eastern Conference that I think was a quarterback away from – probably competing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last year, and that's the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, and I mean, you know what's kind of funny? Is that I'm pretty sure Henry Burris was the same age, or around the same age, because uh, Bo Levi's 31. I believe Henry Burris was, I think, 33. 33 or 34 when he was traded from Calgary to uh, Hamilton ahead of the 2012 season when Drew Tate became his replacement. Um, and between him and Drew, uh, Drew Tate and, and Kevin Glenn. And then, you know, this outside of Anthony Calvillo, who started his career with the Las Vegas Posse and then went to the Hamilton Tiger Cats and then found a home in Montreal. You know, most Hall of Fame quarterbacks have spent times on multiple teams. It, the idea that Bo Levi was going to play his entire career in – you know, Calgary, in my opinion, was ridiculous. For people who thought this guy was going to play his entire career in Calgary, 
I don't know what you were smoking, but I would want to try some. Uh, if, <laughs> you know, if Ricky Ray can get traded, and it, like, it's, it's like the whole thing, well, if Gretzky, you know, Gretzky was traded, anyone could be traded. Yeah. Ricky Ray was traded. And I, and I remember, I might be wrong, but if my memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty sure in 2011, Montreal was actually looking at trading Calvillo. No, I wouldn't know that one. Um, I was 10 years old and uh, not watching football. Uh, see, I was. 2011, oh my God, I would have been... You're old. You need an abacus. <laughs> 2010. I would have been 14. <laughs> Four 14. years older than me. You're basically ancient. Like, <laughs> um, But, you know, overall, like, players move in the CFL, unfortunately. I think it just makes too much sense for Toronto to be his his place to play next season, right? Like, like we're looking at a team who's desperate to find a superstar. There's no name more recognizable in the CFL than Bowley by Mitchell right now. Yeah, and you, you pair I, him I think up it gives with... you instant street cred. You have the league's best quarterback. Whether Toronto will care or not, well, we don't know. But, like, that's a team that's just – it's the perfect opportunity for pinball to bring in an elite quarterback. It's the – guy that the coach is going to want and he's got all kinds of ex-stampeders there it just makes too much sense yeah i mean you just signed uh cory mace who is one hell of a coach yeah. as your dc you know it, it's gonna be crazy to see what happens you know night like this uh, this winter like i would be shocked if bo levi is in calgary come training camp come may I do not expect him to be in Calgary. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's it's clear they want Mayor to be their their next guy. So, which I don't know why, why why delay it? You know, like I, I think to be honest, them bringing him back this year was more of a desperation because they they lost Nick Arbuckle and say what you want about Nick Arbuckle, but at the time people thought he would be the future of that team. They lost him, right? They didn't they didn't have that option anymore. You can't you can't keep losing quarterbacks behind Bo if your plan is to move on from him. So bringing Mayer back to me says that they are preparing for life after him. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I think Ottawa would all, like, that would also be a splash. You really want to, like, Ottawa has two, unlike Edmonton, where it's clear that they need to win and that they're going to do their best to win. That's why you brought in Chris Jones. It's to be a contender in 2022. Ottawa doesn't necessarily have that kind of pressure. You just have to commit to either development or winning. You can't be in the middle, which I think Desjardins was kind of in the middle his last two seasons in Ottawa where he was like, we want to develop, but we also want to be competitive. If Ottawa wants to be competitive, as much as I like Caleb Evans, and you know I'm a huge Caleb Evans fan. I was rooting for him in training camp. I thought he he has – CFO starter caliber potential. But if you're competitive, there's no other quarterback in the league. If he is available, that is better than Bo Levi. That's, and, that's true. Uh, but you have to – I think there's also a factor of weighing the pros and cons. Uh, I think Caleb Evans is very similar to Vernon Adams to, to me, right? He has the same running ability. He has the, the big arm. He likes to stretch the field and – I think he can. If you give him a good offensive line and a couple of weapons, I think he'll be a really good quarterback. Uh, the question is, do you want to spend the big bucks on on Bo Levi 
and surround him with perhaps a little bit less on the offensive line and, and a little bit less in the weapons department? Or do you want to give 24-year-old Caleb Evans an O-line of his dreams and, and a couple of really nice toys? I, I don't think you can go wrong with either, to be honest. I, I think both are really good options. But, uh, you know, it's, it's Sean Burke's choice ultimately now. And, and Paul Lapolis, of course. I mean, I think it's also how you want to sell it to the fans, right? You know, you can bring all the weapons. You can bring in, you know, good O-linemen. But you can't necessarily, you know, eh, as much as like Evans, like how are you going to sell Evans and Duck Hodges as playoff caliber quarterbacks? Well, people think Duck is weapons, elite. Yeah, I don't get that. You know, how are you going to do that when – you bring in all this talent, right? And your biggest problem has been your inability to find good, consistent court like QB. I think. I think would the, fans be would fans be willing to buy into it is the big question. If you're because you, you have to, Ottawa's had bad like two bad to bad years. There's a lot of fans on the fence, including myself. I I have season tickets. I've had season tickets the last couple of years. I don't know if I want to renew because I'm sorry, the, like, the on-field product isn't worth going to. You know, I, I the games aren't worth going to when you're getting blown out. My the last home game was the blowout against Montreal, and and that's where you have to to make these decisions. Unfortunately, is how do you sell it to the fans? And if that means spending the big bucks to bring in Bo Levi Mitchell, it's just like how you did with Henry Burris. You had to sell the fans on something. You went out, you got Henry Burris, and you sold the fans on it. I I think it's fair. I think there's there's an element of wanting to please the fans. But I don't I, – I think you can do it both ways. I think if you go out and you get Bo, you get the fans to buy in from the beginning. But if you don't win games, they will leave again. That, that's just how sports works. If you come into the season and you say, okay, we're giving the reins to Caleb Evans and we're going to surround him with the best talent we can give him. And sure, maybe the fans don't buy in as much at the beginning, but – if you come out and you win football games, I don't think people will care. You know, like, you, in you terms of they won't they won't care that you don't have both. You just have to commit one way or another. You have to commit yeah. that, like, okay, we're gonna commit to Caleb Evans. You know, we're gonna we're gonna surround him with as much talent as we can, but it's gonna be a developmental year. You know, he's 24 years old. It's gonna be his first full season in the CFL because let's be honest, I don't care who, what kind of rookie is gonna succeed in that kind of environment. So you you commit to him being like, okay, we're going to develop him. He is going to be our quarterback. We are going to develop him. We're going to surround him with as much talent as possible. But if we don't win games, that's okay. I, I think, think, if, I think that's all back, fans want. Yeah, if, if you go that route too, I mean, we're, we always do this. We always talk about the Red Blacks a little bit too much. But if you do go that route, I do not want to see, from, from a me standpoint, I don't think the best – route to go would be two young quarterbacks you know we, we see it even between like lewis ward and uh, richie leone last year it's a perfect example uh in that game where ottawa would have beaten toronto if lewis ward didn't miss three field goals uh lewis ward missed the second one and he was all upset and frustrated on the bench and richie leone was telling him jokes to try to get his mind back into it you know i i just think having a veteran quarterback to go alongside caleb evans potentially a guy like Matthew Schiltz or even Connor. 
Yeah, a, a Jeremiah Mazzoli, which we can get into because I don't think he's going to be signed next season at all. Yeah, we'll um, get into that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I think a guy that can sit him down on the tablet and say, tell me what you're looking at, and then we can we can get through that together and we can, you know, get you to the point where you can be the, t- the quarterback that leads this team to a great cup again. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, I know we talk about Red Blacks, but like, I would, like you know what we're getting out of Chris Jones. You know what to expect out of every other team. Except, you know, I, 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 I don't know what team. to expect out of Chris Jones in the quarterback department. Does no, he stick I mean, with Arbuckle? Does he get Mike Riley is apparently on the table now. Like, yeah, I mean, Mike, that's not surprising. You know, it, Mike Riley could Michael Riley, our bad. So, yeah, Michael sorry, Riley Michael Riley could easily be another trade bait. So like, yep. but you know what to expect out of Chris Jones. He has a track record in this league. You know, it's the same with Montreal. It's the same with Ed, uh, Hamilton, Toronto. Their players, their people in front offices have a track record in this league. So you kind of know what to expect. You know these teams are going to be, are going to push for competitive. Ottawa is that one team where they've had two really bad years. You're basically getting a rookie GM. You know, you have a choice to make at quarterback. Because realistically, outside of, you know, arguably Hamilton, and, and Edmonton, but even then, you have Arbuckle, and that's kind of the idea. Like, you're gonna, Arbuckle's most likely gonna be the starter. Hamilton, you know, it's Evans or nothing between the two of them, in my opinion. I think it's I, I either Dane Evans and Toronto. Yeah, I think they're convinced on Bethel Thompson. I don't, I don't but I don't, I, I, think I don't if, think they're gonna if, break a bank for the quarterback. I don't think they're gonna reach out. Ottawa is one of those teams that can go either way. Ottawa can go full-blown quarterback heavy, spend the big bucks on a quarterback, or they can spend their big bucks on everyone else and, and go, you know, inexpensive quarterback and be a development year for the quarterback. So, yeah, I know we're talking about Ottawa a little bit too much, but it's not like the storylines aren't there, and it's not like it's not going to be there in a month. Like, these these storylines going to follow Ottawa for the next month and a bit. It's going to follow them into the season. Unfortunately for other fans, like, that, that's where it is. There, there isn't many storylines with any other team. You know, one of the more interesting ones, I, I, I want to flash to the Tiger Cats really quick. Uh, Dane Evans said he's testing for agency. Yeah, so That's not surprising. But that is an exceptionally difficult situation for the Tiger Cats because you don't want to go into free agency not knowing who your quarterback is going to be. You know, like, it, it's it's tough for them because Jeremiah Mazzoli isn't an option at this point. If he's, if he's unvaccinated and he can't go play games out West, like – Let's remember the the Great Cup is in Saskatchewan. Yeah. If he came back as their starter and they went to the Great Cup, who's their quarterback? It's not Jeremiah Mazzoli. So what's the point? Why would you bring? Why would you sign him unless he gets vaccinated, which might happen? But who? That's not right now. The last we've heard. So, like, knowing that your quarterback, your superstar, well, superstar in their minds, franchise quarterback, is going to test for agency. And you won't have first dibs at him. That is really tough. That's really tough to swallow. I, I'm, I'm really. I, I, I think you know we, we talked about Toronto being a landing spot for Bo Levi, but Hamilton could just be as likely. I, I think Toronto you know? could be. I think Toronto's actually going to be a player for Dane Evans as well. I, I mean, why wouldn't they? Right? Like, they're the three teams that should be in play for Dane Evans are Edmonton, Toronto, and Ottawa, and Hamilton, obviously. But I don't. They're, they're they own his rights right now, so like. If and if Dane Evans were to sign with Ottawa, for example, which I'm all for because I I would absolutely cackle at the Evans Evans duo. But 
you know, let's say that happens. Do you, they they go after Bo Levi or Michael Riley? Like I don't maybe. I don't see a world. Like I I honestly no no lie. There is a reality in 2022 that both Michael Riley and Bo Levi are not in BC and Calgary, respectfully. I, I find it tough to believe almost that Michael Riley won't be in BC, uh, partially because I think he would retire if he's not in BC or a place that he approves of going. I mean, but, you know, there there is an alternate dimension where one of them is in Toronto, one of them is in Hamilton, which... You know, that that could be a thing. Ricky Ray Henry Burrs 2.0. Yeah. Like, but man, like, lost in all of this is what happens with Cod Bethel Thompson. Like, he ends up in Calgary. So, here's could Ottawa be a player for him? Because to me, I hope not. No, but here's my my thing not as a starter. If If you put him on the team with Caleb Evans, that to me is the perfect veteran to to pair with him. I, I don't know. I'm not so. I don't. You know how I feel. I know about you him. hate Bethel. I I don't think he's a good quarterback. I I honestly think that like he is. Like, I think he's on the same level as Trevor Harris, in my opinion. That, that just me. Uh, it's a consistency thing, right? I, I don't think I, he's a bad quarterback. I think he he makes usually he's, he's pretty solid in his decision making. I just think that he's not physically as capable as somebody like a Bolivai or you know. If we're for, gonna bring as much in, as we talk about it being not what people think he is Cody Fajardo like he is special he just isn't perfect yeah I mean we were right not to put him in the top three heading into the 2021 (laughs) season I'm not gonna lie we were right just saying (laughs) I don't know if six Um, like that there's some there's some rankings on there that were not good uh Matt Nichols primary one uh but nobody could have foreseen his shoulder still being completely yeah I mean we did say that this was based off what they've done in the CFL in their career, not what they did the previous season. Um, but with that being yeah. said, Matt Nichols was still on MVP MOP pace that year. Like that, what he was doing was simply impressive. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Um, but I just, if I thought it was going to take a crack at like a veteran who hasn't had much of a chance, it's Shelter O'Connor. And I think O'Connor would be perfect. You want, again, if you bring out Orleans, you bring out Bay, he's, he's from Orleans. Yeah. So, like, you bring O'Connor home, you sell it as, like, a hometown book, and you basically make it an open competition. You don't give anyone the starting job. Allow them to win it. If O'Connor wins it, that's great. You know how much of a storyline? You want to sell fans without burning, you know, spending the big bucks at that position? Starting quarterback from Ottawa for the Red Blacks. Fans will buy into it. Especially, Especially people more if you don't have, like, a, a short – if he doesn't have a short leash. You give him time to actually, you know, gel with the offense, you'll sell fans. You don't have to go out and get Bo Levi or Dane Evans to sell fans. You just you just have to be consistent in your messaging to fans to sell. And that's Ottawa's biggest problem. Yeah. Same with Edmonton. Like if Edmonton won, and I think that's the problem with Toronto. Toronto cannot afford to have a bad year. They well, I mean, there, there's so many, like there's so many storylines that we haven't touched on yet. We're going to. We are most definitely going to over the next couple of weeks. Like we haven't talked about Montreal. Hey, if you want more episodes, just let us know in the comments, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, through our website, let us know that, Hey, we want more content. We'll, we'll definitely work on creating more content, but before we head off, cause you know, we're talking about 50 minutes about the CFL. We do have other sports to talk about. 
Top five. I know you you released your top five bold predictions earlier yep. today. Yeah. I agree with a lot of them. I agree with, I think, almost all of them when I was reading it. I'm like, yeah, I could see this. What are your five players that are heading free agency that you think will f- be in a different color uniform come training camp in May? Bolivia by Mitchell is not a pending free agent, but he's one of them. As I wrote in that piece, I have Simone Lawrence going to Saskatchewan, which that that pissed some Tiger Cats fans off. I believe but it. The thing, the thing with that one is Simone is he's going to be 33 next year. You know, he's he won def- most outstanding defensive player in the in, in the East this year. He was a CFL East All Star. He was a CFL All Star. Hamilton's window to win a Grey Cup is probably closing, especially if they lose Dane Evans. So to say, like, he might stick around. I know he loves Hamilton, but he might have to look elsewhere to get that ring. And I I think Saskatchewan is a perfect fit because they are kind of light on the linebacking core. Um, And I I think if you want to talk about passionate fan bases, I think Hamilton's one of them. They live and die with the Tiger Cats, but Saskatchewan is just the same. So I think he'd be loved there, and I think he would love being there. Darvin Adams is another one that I think has, has seen his days numbered to Winnipeg. And I don't think it's because of lack of production. I think it's because he's just going to have to be expendable based on, you know, Kenny Lawler is up and they've got so many good offensive linemen up and defensive linemen and linebackers. Like they are absolutely going to be annihilated. So uh, I have Darvin Adams going to Ottawa uh, simply because Paul Lapolis needs the exact receiver that he is. And uh, you know, he's the perfect fit. Uh, I think that Ottawa needs the speedy deep guy, and that's what Darvin Adams is, and then Lapley's has some familiarity with him. I had two more guys going to Ottawa, actually. I had <laughs> – they're, they're all blue bombers, and that, that was one of my things. I had one of Johnny Augustine or Brady Oliveira going to Ottawa because I need a running back, both of which are Canadian and capable of starting. And I also have one of their three Canadian interior offensive linemen, Michael Couture, uh, Drew Desjardins and Patrick Newfield. One of them will end up in Ottawa. I mean, that, that, those are solid lists. You know, my my five, I think, is going to surprise uh, a couple. I don't know if that was five or not, but <laughs> I think it was more than five, but it count five points. Um, sure. So I don't believe he is signed yet, but if he hits free agency, and I don't think he will because he he's from Calgary. Uh, Sean McEwen, former Argos. I think he did re-sign. Let me just double check that. He's in at Calgary currently, correct? Yeah. I don't. I know. I don't remember. Currently unsigned. Okay, so he hasn't re-signed yet. He has. He is currently unsigned. Cool. If he hits free agency, I actually expect him to go to BC. You know, I think okay. if you keep Michael Riley, you want to keep him upright, right? He's he's been hit a lot uh, in yeah. BC. I think. You know, that, that's a place that would need interior linemen. I don't get me wrong. I love him in Ottawa, but I think he goes – he's wearing a BC jersey uh, next year. Uh, my other guy – this one's going to hurt a lot of Red Blacks fans. Uh, Antoine Pruneau, I, I think his days are in numbered or in Ottawa. And like, I'm completely in, agree- in agreement with you. I The last two seasons, he does not look like himself. The injuries have started to pile up for him. Justin Howell is just as good. There's also, you know, and kind of going into my third one is Tunde Um, I think he slots in 
Bruno was. Ooh. Um, okay, people are gonna like point at us. I'm gonna give you a couple more afterwards because I can't. I can't stand that we're just going red blacks. It, it, no, is it's just because he played for Carlton? You know, it, it, that's the only reason why. Like he played for Carlton. Ottawa seems to like he Hamilton connection with Burke. I think if Pruno ends up leaving, he is the perfect replacement. He has a history with Burke. He has a history yep. with Ottawa. I can't really. It, it makes too much sense to say that he go if he's not in Hamilton. It doesn't make sense for him to go to Toronto or Montreal. Just everything seems to point to either Ottawa or, or Hamilton for him. Um, my other one, though, I mean Montreal fans are gonna possibly hate me for it. Is Pruno get, goes into Montreal? I would they hate who, you? I, I think that would be a fantastic signing. See, for the I don't Owls. know. I feel like some people like him. Some house fans like him. Some don't. But I think Pruno goes to Montreal. I think that's a player they can sell to their fans. He's a local product. I, I think Pruno heads home. That that's my quote. Is that if he's not in Ottawa, he's going to be in Montreal. Um, another guy that you know I think is going to make some waves in in free agency if he does hit. Is Adam Big Hill? Yes. You know, I I believe that you know this guy could turn out to like he's a Hall of Fame player. I think Big Hill goes back to BC. Uh, just a feeling that like you know he could go back to the to the Orange and Black. So that's where I'm expecting him to go. And you know, hitting hitting uh, Hamilton a little bit again. I think Ted Laurent ends in it ends in Calgary. I think Ted Laurent goes to okay. Calgary. They need interior linemen. Yeah. It, it just seems like the perfect fit. And kind of a wild card, uh, Stanley Bryant heads to Hamilton. Whoa! Um, because they need a left tackle. Wow. I think, you know, that could be a place where he ends up. And, you know, just fan favorite, Derek Dennis signs with Ottawa. That, that that's I'm gonna manifest that into happening. I do so, not care. I, I'm I'm throwing another name out there. Who? Um Mike Alway will not be in Ottawa next year. See, don't tell me that. That's gonna piss me off. I, I, I love Micah. He, you know, he's a great dude, but I I think that's Eau Claire's spot next season. I I think I think so on the on the front of Saskatchewan. I think there's big three linebackers going into this free agency. You got Adam Big Hill, you got Simone Lawrence, you got Mike Alloway. One of those three is going to Saskatchewan. I'm I'm almost certain of that. Well, it's actually I think it's gonna be Lawrence, but it could be uh, Alloway. Well, that's the thing is that they have Dion Lacey, who's who, a free agent at the moment. But you can you know you you resign him because we were having this chat with a, a fan of ours in in our DMs on Twitter, um, and he asked. Because he was talking about the article that Frankie wrote, he asked about, oh, you know, outside of Simone Lawrence, who do you think Saskatchewan should look after? And my response to that was, you know, a player like Michael Alway or Don Uwamba. You know, Dion Lacey kind of took over that middle linebacker role. Um, you know, when when Larry Dean went out with his Achilles injury in training camp, and yes, they've had a lot of injuries in between then, but. You know, could a could a duo or trio of that features Dion Lacey, uh, Micah Alway, and Simone Lawrence be a you know a great couple? That would be unbelievable. Like, I, like that that would be the best linebacking core in the CFL, bar none. Yeah, but you know, 
it's it's Saskatchewan, so it's a possibility. But I I don't think because he asked if we thought Larry Dean would be back in in the rough in Rough Riders, and I'm like personally no, I don't think Dion Lacey is going to be back in the CFL until like July. Um, coming off Achilles injury, I don't know anything about his medical reports. I don't know if, where he's at in his recovery, so it's kind of hard to tell. But I would assume, you know, the the average recovery time for an Achilles is like a year. It's like a torn ACL or a torn MCL. It can it's take up to sure. a year. Like just and, and it's not football, so it's not exactly the same thing. But like, look at Eric Carlson. You guys never been the same player since. So yeah, you just so kind of like, never know with these things. Yeah, and, and so, same with Matt Nichols. Like his recovery time was a year, and well, you look at him, he never got. He was never the same. And that's yeah, the risk so, with these big injuries. So, like, as much as I like Larry Dean, I don't think he's going to be back in the league. But with that being said, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the CFL, and we will continue to talk about the yes, CFL. we always do. But, we always you know, go over. To be fair, this is the, the CFL is what started us, so I feel like it's fair that they got a majority of our show. But we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, we have uh, Rosen, uh, Rosenthal being fired from the MLB Network for his comments and his towards uh, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. We will talk a little bit more about the MLB lockout as well, dive into some of the NHL stuff going on between the postponements in Canada and the Olympics. Um, so stick with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. Thank you for joining us. If you try, This will be part two. Um, so if you haven't checked out part one of the CFL stuff, go, go do that. It's going to be in the description somewhere. Um, but we're back for part two or the second half of this show, however you want to talk about it. Uh, we're going to jump right into the MLB. Uh, breaking today, excuse me, was uh, Rosenthal being fired or let go um, by the MLB Network due to comments made about Rob Manfred stemming from a 2020 incident or started in 2020. Uh, Is by this going to be rag on Rob Manfred hour? Yeah, he's a piece of garbage. I, th- I think it is. I'm not going to call him a piece of garbage because I might want to work for Major League Baseball one day. But, um, man, yeah, hey, hopefully uh, he's, he's not doing around. a good job. <laughs> like, man, I, I just don't – Ken Rosenthal is, like, one of the grade A dudes in baseball. He's like the Bob McKenzie of baseball. He's more – like, he's um, – what's it, what's it? oh, my God. The Schefter? Wash. Adrian Wojnowski. He's literally oh, yeah. that. Like he's the, he's the baseball guy for that. Is if you say Ken Rosenthal, you go, yeah, the dude who tells me who signed where in baseball. Same with Waj. Like, you know, if it comes from one of those guys, you know it's true. It's true, and, and that's uh, like the good news is he's still doing baseball. It's yeah, just it's it, it's such a mistake to to let that guy go because that's instantly like that guy has a big following. Like people are already against. Rob Manfred, people don't like him, and they've just given him another reason to not like him. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like MLB attendance has, I mean, COVID aside, MLB attendance has dropped quite a bit over the last couple of years. That's, it's typical of, like, the the weaker teams to have small attendances, but it's it's been a highlighted because Oakland has drawn 6,000 people a night. Um Tampa Bay has drawn what, like ten thousand if they're lucky. So, yeah. the, the, like, the, we're talking about teams that the Blue Jays finished ahead of an average attendance, playing in stadiums that hold twelve thousand people for over half the season. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a joke. The, the, like, some of those teams in baseball are bad, and uh, you know, maybe we'll get the end of the Oakland saga pretty soon, but. Yeah, see what happens with that. I mean, we already know what's happening with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. They're expected 
to I think what start playing in Montreal for half their season what 23 24 well that's what they want I don't know if we're gonna say expected yet um because I think there's still like I don't think anybody really wants that scenario to happen right I think it it should be either you play in Montreal or you play in Tampa like uh, I just I don't think it splitting a season benefits anybody no but I mean hearing the owners of the race talk it sounds like more like oh we'll split it for a couple of years until our lease is up in tampa and then we'll move officially to montreal and i'm like so make it your spring training like what like cool we play our spring training training games at the trop now all of a sudden you have one of the greatest spring training facilities by the way true true you would have probably one like the greatest spring training facilities rip the roof off the damn thing and play outside. Who cares? Like it's, it's that, that stadium's a, it's a dump. But I mean, the other thing too, is Montreal dump. Like the, the big O is not a nice stadium. No, they need a new stadium. Have you ever been there? I've been there once and it was for a tour. I was 18. Yeah. Like there's some stadiums in the CFL that are a little ratty. Like McGill. McGill is one of them, but it, it has charm. McGill has so much charm. I hate it. I hate it. I hate the track. It's so charming. It's it's not a good stadium. I hate it. The track is bad, but you cannot get a better location for a stadium. I dare you to find me a better location. Oh, the location's great. And it's just it's just it's just a quaint little place. Like it's a great place to watch football. Um, but you know the Big O is a dump. That like there's there's nothing good about the Big O except the fact that the subway goes to it. Like. I just, I, you're, you're kicking the can north is really what they're doing. They're, they're taking their giant pile of crap that nobody wants to rebuild for them in Tampa and just saying, okay, we're going to go to another giant pile of crap where nobody wants to build us a stadium in Montreal. Yeah, I mean, like they should just tear down the big O and then rebuild it. They should. I agree. Just do what they did with Iverwin and tear it down and rebuild it where it was. But they keep putting money into it. Like it's scheduled for another big renovation, and that's where they're planning on playing a great cup eventually. Which is stupid. Just tear it down. You'll probably end up saying it's like the whole. We're back to Ottawa, but like it's like the city of Ottawa putting 135 million into redoing Lansdowne in like 2012, and now having to put what another 130 mil. Yeah, now they're saying they're going to have to rebuild the stadium soon. Yeah, I'm like not soon, but like eventually. All because they didn't want to put they didn't they knew that 235 million wouldn't be accepted then. I'm like, okay, so you're putting in, you know, 20 million more now. Well, now you don't have a choice. Like <laughs> politicians are dumb sometimes when it comes to these things. Like, they don't have the foresight of being like, Oh, they do, but they just don't have to deal with it then. Somebody yeah, gets somebody else's problem office. later. Um, but anyways, back to the MLB, like you're talking about a sport and now this lockout has probably ruined it for a lot of people. You know, this lockout came at the worst time, especially for, you know, Canada, a lot of Blue Jays fans, a lot of Yankees fans. Like the AL East was looking like it was going to be a powerhouse for the foreseeable future. Did it did it not feel to you like this was one of the better times in recent memory for baseball? Yeah. Like it, it felt like baseball was starting to gain a little bit in popularity. Yeah, you like, had the the battle between LA, you had the, the Dodgers and the the four uh the Giants in their division, you know, San Francisco, you had the, or San Diego, you had the San Diego uh, Blue Jays or the, the Toronto Padres going on a little bit uh, between those two clubs, which I thought was great. Um, you know, you had rivalries building like 
look how it went down to the wire for for the last two wild card spots. Like, yeah, and and to be a, a baseball fan in Canada right now, we're talking like this is a Blue Jays team who people were like, well, they suck. Like, yeah, you lost Robbie Ray and and Marcus Simeon, and that sucks. But you brought in uh, Gosman, and you know the team they they just signed uh, George Springer and Hyunjin Ryu and. Like they you got Alex Noah and Barrios was massive, and you got Vlad and you got Bo and you got Kevin Biggio is going to have a big bounce back year. I you think you have you have Hernandez like, and uh, Guriel, like. and, and you've got you still have your prospects. You got Gabriel Moreno that's that's ranked number one in the team's prospect system right now, and you looks like he's going to be right. Yeah, like uh, it's just it's not only just as a Jays fan, right? Like to to watch baseball recently. It's been amazing. And I know, yeah, I mean, like, the, the issue, though, I feel like Manfred is putting his fingers where they don't belong. In the, Like, there's now rumors. I, I could be wrong on this one. Uh, but I do believe I saw something that they were saying that they were using different baseballs based on the matchup. So they were saying the home run rate for the games at the Field of Dreams were really, really high because they were putting the juice baseballs back in for the primetime games. I want to find this one. And I mean, you also have the situation with like cheating and whatnot and players being suspended for more than, let's see if I can find this. Cause yeah. I'm yeah. Not. So there's a report uh, from business insider that basically said the, the MLB used two different kinds of baseballs this season. Shocker. Which like just, it's things like that, that shouldn't be happening. Like I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with everything he done. Like, the pitch, the pitch timer, like the, you know, 30 seconds, like let's, let's get the ball in play here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Because you don't with want the mound visits every third pitch. Like that was a good move. The mound visits killed playoff baseball. It was so boring. To yeah, watch they, the, the like, there's no reason. Yeah. There was no reason for games to be like four and a half plus hours. Um, yeah. But like the inconsistency of refs, I don't know how many games I watched, where it seemed like the strike zone would change, not just from inning to inning, but from player to player. Yeah, like, like it, it's I, they have the technology to do the automated strike zone, and I, I think that it's going to be a matter of time now, not a matter of if, but a matter of when that happens. And you know, I, there's the people who are all for tradition and they want the the umpire behind the plate and they still want to making calls. He's still there, like. That's I think that's the piece that people are missing. He's still there. He's still calling balls and strikes. You're still going to see him, you know, with his big punch out sign when somebody strikes out. It's just going to come through an earpiece that tells him, okay, that was a ball, call it a ball, or that was a strike, like he's out kind of thing, you know? Like it, it's he's still there. He's still calling foul balls. He's still calling safes and outs at the plate. The umpires are still there. Nothing has changed except an earpiece you can't see on TV. Yeah, and I mean, either way, like, they need to fix it because it ruins the game when, you know, and I, I know on, like, I know on Twitter and social media they have, like, the scouting reports or basically the performance reports for refs. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Seeing refs, I, like, uh, there was one guy, there was one umpire that literally consistently was, like, 89%. And when the average was, like, 95 and I'm yeah. like, that, that's bad. Like, that that is, guy shouldn't be in baseball because no, that like, 5% is a – Big difference. Yeah, that, that could literally be the difference between a win or a loss. And when you're talking about margins as paper thin as they were, 
the Jays were one game out of a playoff spot. You know, if if for whatever reason a, a call costs them a chance at a game, that could have been the reason. It's not, obviously it's not the only reason they made the playoffs. They should have won the games to get there. Good yeah. teams will win the games regardless. But you do want the umpiring to be as consistent as possible to avoid a situation where a team could look at like, what the hell was our strike zone today? We couldn't, we had a basketball to pitch into and we had uh, an entire courts against us when we were, when we were hitting. Yeah. Like it makes no sense. And like, and also the playoff format, like the fact that they didn't expand the playoff format is also stupid. Uh, I'm okay with them not doing that, but like, I, I think people there complain no more if they did. Why? What? Eight teams make the playoffs. Like, you have 30 teams in the league, eight teams made the playoffs. That's a little bit ridiculous. It, it's tough, too, because you know what? Like, watching the Jays and what they did at the end of the season, can we honestly say that they wouldn't have had a really good chance to win the World Series? Think about it. The like, Braves had 88 wins. They had three less wins than the Jays and, yeah. and won the World Series. And a lot of the Jays' losses come early in the season. Yeah, when, when they're playing out when of they're playing. Um, Against the Yankees in Dunedin, where people are Yankees fans. They played, what, 20 home games this year? Every other game was an away game for them. And yeah. they came within one game of going to the playoffs. Like, that group was phenomenal. Uh, and if Charlie Montoyo, if anybody else was managing that team other than Charlie Montoyo, they would have made it to the playoffs. Most likely. Um but yeah, I just I I was watching like I, I watched as much baseball this year than I have in the last couple of years. Um and it was fun. Like it was exciting baseball, you know. Obviously watching the Jays, it was easy to be excited for him. Huge Alex Alec Manoa fan. I'm but really even, like, excited. You're an Angels guy too. Like everybody tuned in to watch Shohei oh, play yeah. all season I mean, long. I watched more Jays games this year than Angels games, but that's because of the time difference. I'm like yeah. I'm also not going to pay to watch one team. I'm not going to pay 15 bucks. I'm not that into it. Like I don't even watch the NHL. I don't even pay for the NHL network or the NHL live. And I'm huge into hockey. Like I'm not going to do it. No offense, but like, I don't have the time to sit down and watch like a four hour game at 10 at night. (laughs) Do you know what? I want to say this too. You know, the big differences compared to baseball today and baseball let's say 15 years ago when it like, or even, you know, five, 10 years ago when people were saying it was dying, they didn't have players that are, you know, hard on their sleeve kind of guys like a Fernando Tatis or Shohei Otani, who literally is just great at everything he does. (laughs) People weren't like Vlad and Bo what they were always just having a good time. You know, like every superstar was kind of like Mike Trent where they just didn't say much and they were kind of really quiet, but those are the guys you need to help promote your game. So I mean, if we want to put a CFL angle on that, we can too. I think we, we both know what they, the CFL needs to do in order to to market a little better. But baseball's kind of cracked the code with this one. Yeah, with, those, mean, Otani, with those young players. Otani, especially like you see the relationships between these players, like like Tatis and and uh, Vladdy, and you know you see even like the, with Toronto, you the the Vladdy uh, Bichette. And Biggio Trio and, 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 and just like Hernandez like, and Guriel. Like you watch the, the players making like mocking Jordan Romano when he's crouching down before yeah, pitches. And like, it's like that it's is fun. Like, baseball can be fun. Okay. Like yeah. I know it's it's a boomer sport if we want to be technical about it here, but it can be fun. And that is exactly what gets the kids involved in it. And I mean, if you also, you know, add in like the the home run jacket and stuff like that, like 
baseball can be fun. It can be marketable to younger people. It's just ten, 10 years ago, people are getting bean for that jacket. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But baseball is starting to evolve. It's starting to get with the times. Uh, I think single sports betting has been kind of forgotten in the last couple of months. But that's going to have huge implications come to like a lot of these 2022 seasons have huge implications. Like, yeah, I'm really excited to to watch how single sports betting does in 2022. Um, I think we're probably going to promote more of it with within Bodog because it's uh, it's going to be huge. I'm excited for your MLB, but honestly, though, like it, it's not. They're saying that it should be a lockout, like the lockout should be done come February. That's what they're hoping. They said that about the NHL back a couple years ago, too. Like it it wasn't expected to take forever. And like, I I don't know, man. I I just, I cannot see a world where baseball benefits from not getting on the field at spring training. Yeah, they need they need to be on the field at spring training. Like that that's no no doubt in my mind about it. You've got the pause momentum going. You cannot let it die now. Yeah, you you have to. This this lockout comes at the worst possible time. Yeah. Um, you know, but baseball is going to be interesting. That's going to be a storyline as we watch like go further into you know January and early February because I think pitchers are expected to report what. Uh, early February. Weekend. Early February, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a storyline that we're going to follow over the next couple of weeks. But moving on to probably one of the biggest storylines in sports, um, we'll we'll start off with with the IIHF's canceling all. This was basically kicked it off. IIHF canceled six tournaments in January. Uh, all four of the U eighteen women's championships for the second year in a row. And then basically Division Three U twenty tournaments. Yeah, like man, it, it's it sucks that the women are always the casualties of this one, and the the lower countries, right? Like that women's U eighteen stuff. And I, I also I, I just remembered the statement they put out. Did you read the statement that the IIHF put out? Which one? Um, you'll know. They put I, they, one out regarding they, the uh, the cancellation of the women's tournaments. I, I'm going to read it because I know they put out two. I don't think I read the second one. I read the first one where they were talking about when they can't when they originally announced they were canceling all tournaments in January, um, and I might have missed the one about specifically the women's tournaments. So I, I just have to scroll through Twitter here to find it. I didn't have it pulled up beforehand, um, but like this statement, honestly, Shane is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. So this is from Luke Tardif, who's the the president of the double IHF. Um, And he said, this is not a gender issue. This is a COVID-19 issue, which first of all, like, sure. But they also at the time said that it was safe to play the world juniors, which they did absolutely no preparing for. Um, Yeah. That that was just bad. He, he went on to say, I would, uh, I would ask in turn how it's fair to postpone all the top tier divisions and always, uh, to simply cancel the lower divisions. These cancellations have affected six tournaments, not just one, including two men's U20 events that critics seem to conveniently forget. And that's a quote. Like, I mean, but it's not wrong, a, though. No, but it is wrong because two of these, he's talking about these two men's tournaments. There was two more women's tournaments that he didn't mention there. Three of these tournaments were women's tournaments. So, like, 
yes, it was wrong to cancel all these tournaments, but like, but but he's not wrong though because a lot of people ignored those two. Like when it, when it was originally yeah. announced, it was all oh the women's tournaments were canceled. The women's tournaments were canceled. Which yeah, that that's bad. It's the second year in a row that these these tournaments have been canceled. These women deserve to play. But you cannot sit here and say it's bad that these women's tournaments are canceled when you also had two other men's tournaments that were canceled for the second year in a row. Like, so he isn't wrong when he says that people conveniently forget about these two other tournaments. Because delivery is completely off. Oh, yeah, it's awful. It's horrible. But it's not wrong. Like, that was my big thing. It's like, okay, it's horrible that these women, like, I remember people saying that it was sexist and whatnot. I'm like, how is it? Like, it's not sexist. It's bad planning. Like, why? Why couldn't I, I you think have done had these people so up in arms. What had people so up in arms, though, was just the fact that there was a men's tournament still going on. And yeah, because okay, but realistically, dollar wise, doll, like if you if you look at just straight revenue, the World Juniors is is bigger than both World Championships. There are more yep. eyes on the World Juniors than there are on the men's World Championships and the women's World Championships. You know, the, the 2021 gold medal game had nearly 9 million viewers via TSN. Realistically, it makes sense for the AAHF to want to play their biggest tournament that is not Olympics. Because that's what the double, that's what the World Juniors is. Yes. So if you look at it from a pure business span, standpoint, yeah, they're going to push ahead and try to play the World Juniors. Did they plan it horribly? Was it horribly executed? A hundred percent. Oh, I, I don't think horrible begins to do justice to what they <laughs> but, put on. To sit here and say that it was sexist and whatnot. No, it, it, it's business. Because okay, realistically, how many people that are upset even realize there was a women's tournament to begin with in January? TSN I, I, think that's, I think that's part of the issue, though, is um, the fact that, like, I, I, I saw clips from the most recent women's tournament, which I believe was 2019 now, and their broadcast solution, Shane, I don't know if you saw this. It's You're like one of those panoramic cameras that shows you the entire rink in one shot yeah and that's their broadcast but like, it, that mean, that's isn't good they, enough but that's how the you that's how the the u18s were up until a couple of years ago for the men but like i go to a, i go to a junior a game in in the cchl the central canada hockey like nobody nobody watches that like people the only people who are watching that are scouts ohl scouts like and, and people's parents they have commentary and they have somebody move the camera. Like at the very least. Yeah. But I mean, it's, you can't, people who are comparing oh, U18 women's who barely, barely draws, you know, to, like if you look at over the last like five, like five tournaments, I think their most was like when they were in Canada, they had 1600 average attendance to a tournament that yearly, you know, just by TV ratings, tens of like hundreds of thousands of views, you know, you have tens of thousand people in seats, no matter where the tournament's held. It's an unfair comparison. That's comparison. So, that, that's like comparing the CHL to the, like to, to the NHL when they shut I, down. Like I do you wanna, can't compare it. I do want to make the point though of, I think if they would have said that they were postponing it and, like at least looked like they were going to make an effort to reschedule this to when it was safe. I don't think there would have been such an uproar, but Agreed. for them to to look at this and go, yeah, no, just not possible. It's obvious that they just don't care about it because there's no money involved. 
Because oh, 100%. That's but, all it is. But you can't grow women's sport. And we're talking about an international federation. They, their bottom line shouldn't be the primary interest, especially when they continue to say that developing women's hockey is one of their top priorities. Yeah. Because that's it, clearly bullshit. They don't care. No, it's all hypocritical. Like, why do you only have the U8? Why, why do you only have a U18 tournament? Why don't you have a U20? Like, but I, I, I can't, I don't agree with people who are saying that it's sexist and that they're doing it because they're women. No, they're doing it because there's no money involved. Like, yes, but let, the, let's the, be real. Let's not try to hide the fact that it's all about the money. If the U18 yeah. women's was anything nearly as important, like the only reason why the U18 men's was as important this year as it has been is because of Bedard and Wright and like McTavish, and a little like bit the of like, eligible players that no one has seen for the year. That's typically broadcasted too, I believe. Like they show at least a couple games. Very, but it's also very shitty. Yeah, well, that's, like that's, that's also like where they're playing. Like they play yeah. in the Dallas Stars practice facility. Yeah, like <laughs> the arena's not good enough to have a good broadcast. Yeah, so it's like, I don't agree with the fact that like it's all about sex, but I do agree. And I said it multiple times. They shouldn't have been canceled. They should have been postponed. Play it later in the year for all these tournaments because they need to be played. Well, and that's the thing too. Like they, they come out and they're like, okay, the World Juniors are canceled. What was the first thing? One of the first things they mentioned in the press conference. We're going to look to play it later this year. Yeah, like again. Well, of course, they have to. They, they Like TSN would be pissed if they had to go back and pay out all these, these advertisers again. Exactly. But like if you can make the effort to reschedule this, you can all sure as hell rework the women's stuff. You can get this oh, other U8 or this other U20 tournament going eventually. 100%. Like, and I guarantee you there's places in Canada, there's places in the US that would love to host these tournaments. Yep. 100%. So it can be done, but the idea that it, it's sexist and whatnot, it's not true. It's it's all about money. You know, I, well, it is, but I, I, I think that there's a bit of a they, they – ha- the IHF has to be willing to make sacrifices at some point. If they genuinely want to grow women's oh, hockey, hundred percent. Like, the WHF is not a good organization yeah. right now. If they if they don't if they don't want to grow women's hockey, just come out and say it. You know, like just just tell us we're we're not worried about anything other than the bottom dollar. Like that's basically what they've told us already. Yeah, just, you know, like. But I mean, a lot of people are also blaming the NHL for it. So the NHL had nothing to do with this. Yeah, but they're blaming that if the NHL wanted to grow the women's game, that they could, and it's like. Well, yes, that is true. They they definitely they could definitely do more than they are doing. Like the I NBA mean, they, is doing. They can come out and put their stance on it. I think they need to. Well, they need. They're not. The first, I think the first thing for them, the first thing for them, I think, is they need to get through this pandemic, um, and, and you know that right now is very tough on the Canadian teams, particularly. But once they get out from this, I think they need to do something well, to I, help I, get a women's professional league off I the ground. I did some digging, and they have copyrights and trademarks. I saw that. So it's in the works, I would assume. But, like, they also can't pick a side. They can't pick the the Premier Hockey Federation, or they can't pick the, the Professional Women's Hockey Association. I would, I would like to see them get, you know, like, something going – uh, in, in junction with some of their NHL owners. Like they used to with the, the CHL where like Toronto and Montreal and Calgary had teams and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. That, that's what like I would like to see. Like the NHL can't pick a side. They're, they're kind yeah. of in that. Cause if you pick one side, you kind of start alienating the other side. The like thing, they've it, done, they've done stuff with the pride. Like they have done stuff with the, 
that league, you know, the outdoor game and someone got yep. seriously hurt and then people started saying that it was bad because the ice condition wasn't good. And that was a whole different story. And then you have the all-star the games are never good for outdoor games, by the way, Doesn't not, not for midday games. Yeah. Um, but then you have like, they have the, you know, some of the Olympic players part of, of the all-star game. So they, they've tried to stay as neutral as possible. If, if both associations, in my opinion, need to work together before they can ask the NHL for help. Unless the NHL yeah. is like, okay, because realistically, if the NHL were to do some of their, like do their own thing, they, it would be done. It, the the Professional Women's Hockey Association or whatever um, would be completely toast. Unless, you know, some of the teams merged in. But like, I, I think, it, you know, we've seen it with the NBA the, and the WNBA. Like the WNBA, it, it, it does not make a, a ton of money. Right. I, no. I think people will be quick to point that out and be like, okay, well, they should just let it go. But I think it is important for the NBA to continue to be able to allow it to, you know, exist. Like the the TV deal that the NBA has, they they ensure that a WNBA contract is going to be there as well. You know, they provide uh, money to to the WNBA to help keep it keep it running. And yeah, yeah and like I think that you know, more and more it's become, it's becoming bigger and bigger. And I think the NBA, the, the NHL could do something similar with the, with yeah, just, uh, women's hockey. It's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, moving, and this has all been a trickle effect, right? You have the, the U 18s and the U 20 tournaments being canceled and it's kind of trickled into the NHL. Uh, it's been said multiple times. It's, it's widespread news. NHL players are not going to the Olympics and everyone should know my thoughts on that by now. I am okay with it. I don't think the NHL players should be at the Olympics. I have no issue with the owners being like, we don't want you guys going to the Olympics. But, you know, if you want to go, we'll we'll accept it and we'll, you know, respect it. But we don't want you guys to go. So the NHL players aren't going. They're all upset. They're throwing tantrums and saying that they're... Yeah, except you know, for Brad Marshall, apparently, is <laughs> about to literally want to cut his contract in half so he can go. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe and there was a if there was an article came out like a week or two ago now with Eugene Melnick. And you know nine times out of ten when Melnick talks to the media, he puts his foot his foot puts his foot in his mouth and it ends up being horrible. Uh but this one was actually pretty good. Uh he was asked about the Olympics and he's like honestly I, I was not in favor of the NHL players going because as an owner you if you get if you you lose a player a big player at that tournament it can derail your entire season and that's what happened in 06 you know yeah, there's a good wasn't his comment something about he was okay with canadians though yeah his so his first his first comment and this I think it was a couple of months ago was like why would i want international players and like whatnot yeah, that was uh, a, maybe he shouldn't have said that. That, that was done. Again, another example. <laughs> yeah, of him talking yeah, to the maybe media just keep your mouth shut, Eugene. And on that putting one. his foot in his mouth. Um, but this one, he never he didn't say anything stupid. He was just talking about how like he believes that Hasek going to the Olympics, even though the team didn't want him to go, cost them a chance at a cup. And I think a lot of people are in agreement with that. A lot of people have come out and said that if Hasek doesn't get hurt in 06, you know, probably Carolina probably doesn't win the cup. Yeah. So like, if you like, you know, the Islanders were in the same a similar boat with John Tavares, and like, my my thing is, well, what would happen like if you're the NHL realistically? Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, Kane, 
one of your big, big players gets hurt for the rest of the season plus the playoffs because they were at this tournament. Imagine what happens to your revenue because people are like, people are going to be pissed. So I can understand why owners aren't going like we're, weren't upset about it, but I think people forget that like the NHLPA agreed to this. If the NHLPA, the union that's supposed to protect players wanted this to go, they could have forced their hand. So I'm actually just looking at, uh, I'm trying to find the quote where Melnick said his stuff. And I know Well, he said basically that uh, he wouldn't let Eric Carlson leave to play for Sweden uh, unless all NHLers left uh, and made the trip, which that may have been the piece that we were talking about just there. So it may not have been a, I'm not letting international players go, uh, but a, you're not going unless everyone else goes. Um, but either way, like, yeah, possibly. It's been a while since I've read the article, so my memory of it yeah, is not he, the greatest. He has a tendency of putting his foot in his mouth quite often. Yeah, um, honestly, a lot of things that he says, he should just not talk. He's not a good PR person. But what what's your thought on NHL players not going to the Olympics? Like, are I, you happy? I think it's the care? right. I think it's the right choice. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you can do. Like, you've already had so many games canceled and postponed that you're going to need that month to make up games. You know, it's kind of just unfortunate that they can't go because I was really looking forward to watching McDavid and Crosby playing the same team. And you know, we we're gonna, it. yeah, we we're gonna see so many great players playing together. And you know, now who knows who's gonna be on Team Canada? Like, yeah, I bet it, you Owen Power will probably be there. Like, it'll be really cool to see what he can do. Um, that Russian likely, team, but I mean, the Russian team's going to be really good again. They're going to win a lot of games, and Germany will probably be pretty good again. And like, I don't know, I'm interested to see about like Canada and the U.S. because you know Jake Sanderson, and Tyler Clevin, a lot of these World Junior yep. guys are eligible to go. If because I know Makar was originally uh, selected for the U for the Olympic team in 2018. But because of like school and whatnot, he wasn't able to go. So I'm curious on if that's going to play a factor for like a lot of Canadian and Americans who are in the NCAA. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I would love to see who's on Team Canada. Okay, so I, I found the exact quote from Eugene Melnick, and it, 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 it is what we said. He said, uh, we had only one guy going potentially for Canada. Uh, why am I shipping players out? It would be one thing if they were going for Canada, if we had a chance to win a gold medal and they needed one of our players. So basically what he's saying is if Canada needed somebody to help to win gold, we might think about it. But if Sweden or well, Russia like, or Germany let's let's be honest though. How many owners have that mentality? Like there are so there, I guarantee you that oh, most probably of, a lot of them. Pro- probably a lot of them. Like I have Melnick is just one of these guys that like he puts his foot in his mouth, but like guarantee most of what he says, other owners think it. Like he's Probably. not the only one who has that mindset. And you just have to wonder, like, do you guys all have an agreement that Melnick is just going to take the blunt of abuse from fans and whatnot to say the stuff that you guys won't say? Like, does he get paid? Like, do you guys pay him to do this? Is this like, is he the fans punching bag for saying things that you guys don't want to say? Well, I mean, I think a lot of other owners are just smarter than he is to not say this kind of stuff. Like, there's owners all over sports that just keep their name out of the news. And that's, that's kind of what you want. 
you know, uh, Eugene just he doesn't like to do that. I, I think he just kind of kind of likes to Google himself a little bit and say, hmm, what can I do today to, <laughs> to stir shit up in the in Ottawa? No, basically. But I mean, to be fair, Ottawa fans kind of had their own fault for that. But that's a different story. Uh, before we wrap oh, up. Oh, Jesus, we- Shane. Oh, my God. What? I know what you meant by that. Oh, my God. What? Oh. I think we're thinking we'll, of two we'll, different we'll, things. We'll move on because I, I don't want to say what I think you meant. but I think No, I no, no. Say it. Say it. Are we talking about the, the kidney here? Oh, the, the liver? liver? Whatever it was. No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> okay, no, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> no, okay. So in like I think it was like 2013. The uh, yeah. So the year like the year yeah, 2012-13. The year before Al, like Alfie's last season. Um it was there's was a lot of talk about owners being active parts of their team. You know, you had it with Philly, you had it with Detroit. It seemed like owners were becoming more and more part of their team. They were becoming more visible and whatnot across sports. You know, it was like the height of like uh, of craft in New England. Like, and I remember a lot of sense fans being like, "Oh, I wish our owner was more in the picture. Like, we saw him more, we heard from him more." This that, and the other thing. Maybe those fans want to take back what they said because <laughs> um, I remember I remember even this huge thing where like. People were talking, like literally being like, yeah, I would love to hear from our owner more. I think it'd be great that he's involved more instead of in Barbados for half of the season yeah. and whatnot. And we kind of got what we asked for. I almost ran over Melnick at one of my, like one of the last Suns game I went to. I was walking out of the tunnel from where we were sitting and I looked back uh, to talk to, to Robin about something. And as I'm turning into him, I almost run him over. And he is short. He's like five, six. He is a frail old man. Not going to lie. He is he is frail. I almost ran him over, but he's on the concourse walking around, you know, like an average Joe. Realistically, if you didn't know what Melnick looked like, you would thought that this guy is with his two kids. Yeah, like he's just and an old dude with his two kids. The, the I think the craziest thing about this too, like you know the the liver thing, like that when that happened, there was like a rally in this city around the guy to to make sure that you know he would he would be okay and we and, and people could get him you know, a, a transplant. And it was almost like, a, like, look at what this guy has done for this team in this community. And like, this guy's an important fixture to us. Let's, let's help him out. And then here we are, what a handful of years later. And people are like, actually wishing death upon him. Yeah. Like, like I mean, that's, I think that's the crazy like, thing is that like, and like, I'm not like, how messed up do you have to be to wish death upon someone over a sport? Yeah, like people are legitimately saying that they wish that no one actually gave them their liver, and like they people are straight up being like, and that's, that's what I thought you. I were wish we died. I'm glad you said that you're not. Like, and I and like I can understand joking about it and being because like you know people joke about that stuff, and you can tell the difference between people who joke about it and are serious. And some of these people yeah. on social media are dead serious about how they wish he would like he never got the liver and he actually died, and it would have been so much better for the team. And I'm like, how? Like, how messed up do you have to be to wish death upon someone over a sports team? Yeah, and, like, you know, I, I'm i not going to sit here and I'm not going to defend some of the stuff that Melnick has done. You know, like, the he's constantly in the news. Like, at some point, you've just got to you gotta stop. Like, for him to sit on Parliament Hill and, you know, know that his team was playing in one of the biggest events, he just had sold out an outdoor game and to say, well, 
little relocation might be pretty cool. See, here's the like, thing. That was just kind of things like that. That was so like, misinterpreted. Like, that was one of the, like, I remember reading that and going back and listening to the interview. That was one of the most misinterpreted and, like, misrepresented quotes of the 2017-18 season. But that's one of the things, is, as an owner, you know, you should know how to speak to, to media. He was asked about the, the fan, because apparently, you know, we had an issue selling tickets and, and fan pe- like people coming into games and whatnot. And he's like, well, we're, we'll try to make it work. And if it doesn't work and people can't come out, we'll look at, at relocation, which you just, you, you cannot say that second part. Not, not in, at that time. You need to add, you need to ex- expand on it. You can't just end it there like he did. But if you listen to the actual question and listen to his response, it makes a lot more sense, but you can't just say like he did. It was basically be like, we're, uh, you know, we have to look at all the options If they can't come out. We're going to have to relocate and whatnot. And he just kind of ended it there. And that's where a lot of people started speculating. But like, if you actually expand it and be like, yeah, we have to look at like maybe moving in the city. Yes. That like, but like, I mean, he had to expand on it. He just kind of stopped. That, he could have been for that, but times. this is like, he just thought he just stopped like, talking at bad times. You just like, just to compare him to, you know, the other guy in the city, Mark Gowdy, you can tell Mark is much more filtered with what he says. Almost like, he comes off as, as an approachable dude, you know, he's, he's genuine, but also you can tell like his answers at press conferences are very rehearsed. Well, that's why he is the CEO. Exactly. But that's that's what I'm saying. He's also part of the original ownership group of the senators. So like, yeah, eh. but like he, he knows what he's doing. It's just, I think Melnick just doesn't give a shit. He's no, just, he's he's just at that point where like he's just gonna say, say what he wants to say. He doesn't I, have a like, filter. This is um, my damn franchise, and I'm gonna do with it as I please, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, we do have a little bit of CBL talk. Um, quick note: we have four CBL players who has signed ten day contracts in the NBA. Um, you know, he wasn't the first, but he's definitely been the brightest, and he's been the brightest in the CBA, a CBA, a CBL. For the last three, the first three seasons, Xavier Moon has kind of shined with the Clippers since he signed his 10-day contract. There's a couple of other guys who have played well, but this is huge for the CBL. Yeah, this is huge. People are going to point to the fact and just say, "Oh, well, it's just because COVID got them there." But these guys were these guys were in the G League. Like the CBL graduated, they've graduated a lot of players. I think I think between like this last season, they I think they graduated like almost like 20 players to the G league. Yeah, like it's, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, talking to, to Mike Morreale way back when we did, um, you know, just to, to listen to him talk about where he wants this league to go and, and what the expectations were at this point. Like, it just doesn't seem like anybody really thought they'd be where they are right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're, you're coming into next season. What are they, what are they now? Nine teams. And, uh, 10 teams, 10 teams. They've added three. They have uh, the Newfoundland Growlers. Which, by uh, the, the way, Montreal uh, Alliance and then yeah. the Scarborough Shooting Stars. So they're up can to we, ten teams in four years. Can we talk about how infuriating two Newfoundland yeah, Growlers? Yeah, are? Newfoundland Growlers, and they're both the same colorway. They're both the same logo. It's very European. It's very European soccer club, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also don't. I also, I'm also not surprised because, like, you already have that brand. You already have like. It makes sense because you already have the brand built up. You don't really have to 
rebuild a brand. You have the Newfoundland Growlers Hockey Club. You have that brand associated with that community. It's just, it makes so much sense. Uh, you know what, though? Like, the, the fact that they've grown at the rate they have, and, you know, they've graduated as many players, and now they got guys in the NBA, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna bring in a whole bunch more Canadian talent, and it, it's going to be eventually, like, to the point where this is one of the premier basketball leagues in the world. Like we're, we're already starting to see it where they're going to the BCL Americas. I, I haven't really been paying. They, I, they split I think Edmonton is one games. and one. Yeah. yeah. So that their next team, games, I think are like end of this month, like the 21st and the 22nd. That team they lost to though. I believe that is the team that is filled with like guys like Michael Beasley. Yeah. Like they former former NBA players like these, but I, I believe it was also a close game. Like it's not like they're getting absolutely routed. Uh, Canadian basketball is getting put on the map a little bit, and it's it's great to see because there's some great talents here. U Sports has some really freaking good players that don't get noticed. Yeah, I mean U Sports, and I mean U Sports is a completely different situation because who knows what's going on with their season? They're think they're stopped until like the 24th of January. They're not yeah, even they allowed pause. to practice because of what's going on in Ontario and. Feel so bad for you, sports. Um, but overall, like the CABL, we're going to be covering a lot more. Hopefully, we'll be at the games. Um, at least one of us will be. Hopefully, um, we also have you know uh, basketball coming up in in Ottawa. It's a lot of Ottawa sports, so you're going to probably notice a lot more Ottawa sports. <laughs> That's um, it's just what it is, man. We're just located in Ottawa. Uh, CFL content is coming out at a breakneck pace. I also like. We're wrapping up here, so I, I want to say uh, absolutely massive thank you to, A, our writing team. Those guys are literally like a, a unbelievably big They're part fantastic. of what we do. Without them, we wouldn't have been able to achieve half the things that we achieved this year. So to those guys, like we cannot express to you how grateful we are. Also want to say thank you to the people who have been sticking around, read our stuff, listen to our stuff you know, interact with us on social media. Those people have helped us grow as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're back doing podcasts now and uh, 2022 should be our best year yet. And great, agree. great enough, Shane. What? We started in what? 2020. We started, our, our podcast started in April, 2020. We survived through no CFL season. Um, we've worked our way up this year briefly but I think 2022 will be the year we take off. Yeah, I, I hope so. And then well, 2023 uh, will be even better. Every yeah, 100. I mean, again, guys, uh, as we wrap up, if there, if you want more content, if you like listening to our talk, let, let us know. We uh, we can, we started off with two shows a week. We dialed it back down to one. But if you guys like our, our like the content, you want to see more of it, reach out. Let us know. We will create more content if if we you guys want it. Um, I think I have like five articles on the go. Um, yeah, you had a, fin- a team Finland one going for the Olympics, and then yeah, and well, then that's, that's the done. Ol- that's in the trash now. Yep, I have a Ottawa Senators one going. I have a uh, I'm working privately, like I have like three AMI docs that I'm working on because there's so much to do. But I'm also you know ADHD and can't finish anything that I put my mind <laughs> to. Um, <laughs> I'm also not a writer. Okay, like I, this is this is where I excel at. Um, that's why we have editors. That's true. I.e. me. <laughs> true. That's very true. Um, uh, we'll figure that one out. 
<laughs> but guys, thank you all for listening. Again, if you haven't checked out part one of this episode, uh, head on over to do so. It's all CFL talk, so you will want to he- he listen to it. Thank you all for checking out. We will be back here with a brand new episode uh, Wednesdays for now. If you want more, obviously let us know. We'll work it in. But Wednesdays at 10 a.m., you can find us wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, um, and everywhere else. You can also find us on YouTube at 12 o'clock, uh, 12 p.m. on Thursdays. That will be when the episode drops on YouTube. Uh, follow us at 13th Man Podcast, 13th Man Sports on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Our Instagram is being waxed, so we deleted that. We're still working on getting that fixed up. So that should be something, but maybe not. We'll see. Um, and then follow myself at Shane underscore. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah. I don't even. You don't even know your own handle anymore. What the hell? Oh my god, it's been so long. You always made even... fun of me for changing it so much, and then here you are. You can't even remember your own. I haven't changed mine. I just forgot it. I haven't said it in so long. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, Shane underscore RY13. Uh, Frankie, it's in his thing. If you see it on YouTube, you'll see it. But if not, it's Frankie underscore Benvo. Oh, follow us on TikTok. We have one of those. Um, 13 Man Sports. Um, so give us a follow there. Uh, and yeah, we will catch you back here next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe, guys. And uh, enjoy the sports while we can. <laughs>